Okie dokie. <laughs> Just looking at everybody looking at me. It's quite an interesting sight. <laughs> should all just bring your shirt. Oh, no, we're not meeting here anymore. Oh, yeah, we've moved. Oh, we picked wrong. Never mind. Cool. I'm really excited about this. So we are going to be looking at Haggai this morning. So literally, I'm going to show you how big Haggai is. That's it. Okay. That is Haggai. So turn on your phones, open your Bibles. I'll tell you where it is. It's after Zephaniah and before Zechariah. Does that help? <laughs> Where? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. All the bit, the books in the um, towards the end of the Old Testament are um, mini prophets, minor prophets, and Haggai is one of them. So we're going to jump right in. Oh, it's such a good book. I'm getting a bit excited. Can you tell? I need to calm down. Okay. Em started this last week, so I'm just going to carry on from where she left off. So let's start. Have we got it on the screen? Brill. Okay. Verse one. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of, difficult word, Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak. All you need to know is basically there's three people, Haggai, Zerubbabel, and Joshua. That's it. This is what the Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. So, before we get into it, ooh, gone. before we get into it, um, I want to share a little bit of the mood in which Haggai was written. Not the mood of Haggai, but the mood in which like the people were living in at the time. Now, you might be in this place, or you might have been in this a similar place, but it's the mood is generally... Man, is this is this what life's all about? You know, this is tough. Things are not as I expected them to be. I thought at this point in my life I'd be a bit more sorted. You know, that's the sort of mood that they're in. It might be um Hello, hello. Are we good? Thanks.
Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Okay, so um, so it might be that you're in a similar position to them or, um, or you've been in that place. Things like um, you've got to a certain age and you thought, oh, maybe I'd have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or I'd be married right now and you're not. Or you're married and you thought it would be better than what it is. Um, you've discovered that you've got to work at it and it's tricky. Or you thought you might be in a more fulfilling job than you are now. And it's not kind of, life's not kind of living up to what it's expected or what you hoped it would be. So, so this quite honestly was the mood during the time of which Haggai was written. The people are saying, do you know, I really, really thought we would be in a different shape than we are now. And so before we dive into the book of Haggai, what I want to do is just give you a wee backstory before we look at the main story. So we need to look at the prequel before we kind of hit the main movie, if you see what I mean. So we need to go back to the reign of King Solomon. Solomon, amazing king, wise, brilliant. He started construction on the most magnificent temple for God. Huge temple, glorious. People from all over the world travel just to see this temple and to offer worship to God there. And the temple was a really, really big deal for the people of God, for the Jewish people. And then King Solomon died. And sadly, the people's hearts just turned away from God. They started worshiping idols. Um, so God allowed a series of events to take place in order to just kind of pull the people back to himself. So you've got Solomon building temple, amazing temple. Solomon dies over here. And then people start doing their own thing. And then the Babylonians enter the scene. They um, come in and they invade Judah. They invade the capital city of Jerusalem and they totally crush it. And it's like not only was it like humiliating to be kind of captured by the Babylonians, it was it was that they crushed the temple as well. This like amazing place that their whole lives revolved around. They, it was like they destroyed the house where God dwelt. So the Jewish people are completely devastated and they're all picked up and taken off to Babylon as captives. They can't worship as they want. They can't go anywhere they want. They're completely in bondage for 50 years. So how many of us are under 50? <laughs> okay. So imagine, essentially, if you're the, the Jewish people in this, in this book, you are, all you've ever known is captivity. All you've ever known is not going where you want, worshipping where you want, being allowed to do what you want, anything. And then you've got the people who are over 50 who are like talking about the good old days. Do you remember when? Do you remember when we used to da-da-da and the temple was amazing and we used to da-da-da and you're all like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So you can imagine the relief and the excitement and the good news. They've been in captivity for 50 years and then suddenly 50,000 people are allowed to go back to Jerusalem. They're allowed to go back and rebuild the temple. Like this is a massive big deal. So... They get their own place again. You can imagine the excitement, the relief, and they start to rebuild the temple for God. So they build the foundation, 
and they build the altar and then it gets tricky. Life just gets hard, so they give up. Can you imagine? You see, the Samaritans came in, who were the enemies of the Jewish people, and they just made it really difficult for them to build this temple. And so they just gave up. They said, this just got too hard. This got too difficult. It mustn't be the right time because it's just not easy for us. So the thing that is staggering is they didn't just kind of stop and regroup and go, this is getting really tricky. The Samaritans have come in and our work on building the temple is really tricky. Um, Let's just regroup, get another plan and start again. They stopped for 14 years. So for 14 years, they just went, nah, this is too hard. I can't do this anymore. Which is, I think, staggering because for five decades, (coughs) excuse me, all they've done is talk about going back. For 50 years, that's all they've ever talked about. And then as soon as it gets hard, they're like, yeah, it's too tricky. So what did they do instead? Well, instead of working on God's house for 14 years, they actually started just building their own houses. So this is when Haggai enters the scene. God sends Haggai, a prophet, to call the people back. He's like, come on, come on, rebuild the temple. This is what it's all about. So let's pick up from verse 2. Thank you. So, verse 2. I love this verse. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So, they've been doing nothing. Well, they've been doing a few things for 14 years. But they say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. I think it's funny because um, have you ever seen those parents? Those parents, clearly, none of us would do this. Thank you. None, I'm sure your parents didn't do this either. But you know when, you know when the kids have been naughty, and like, mum comes home from work or dad comes home from work, and um, and the other parent goes, do you know your kids? have been so annoying today or your kids or your do you know what your children have done today and I find this is so funny because all the way through the old testament whenever God talks about his people he always says my people my people my people my people and then we get to verse two these people it's first time he goes these people it's not my people anymore it's these people the time, he says, is what they're saying, is not now. So the people don't think the time is now to rebuild the temple. Why did they think the time wasn't now? The thought, (laughs) he's rebuilding, he's good, he's a good lad. They're not rebuilding it because it's flipping hard. The Samaritans are opposing them, things aren't going their way, it feels hard. And I think we need to understand that the closer we get to doing something for God, something that matters to the heart of God, the more likely we are to face opposition or resistance. 
so like as a church we've just our building is was on fire where we meet it's hard it's hard what do we do do we just go no this is too hard or something in our own personal lives that's really tricky do we just go it's too hard it's too tough can't do this anymore so this is the thing I think God is asking us to press into doing with his help I think he's asking us to choose the hard right over the easy wrong we say and we pray God with your help enable empower me to choose the hard right over the easy wrong it's so easy for the Jewish people to change from focusing on God to focusing on themselves. It would be hard and right to continue building the, the temple. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It's so, um, so easy, isn't it, bringing it down to our level. If somebody hurts your feelings, you can just hold a grudge. But it's hard and it's right to forgive others as Jesus has forgiven you. It's easy to continue to spend more than you earn. Just buy whatever you want, go into debt, live beneath your means, live in such a way you can be generous with others and with other people. It's, not <coughs> it's easy to not turn up to small group because you're busy. It's hard and it's right to live and breathe alongside other people who love Jesus. It's easy to not turn up and not just bother. But let's choose the hard right over the easy wrong. For me, as you can hear still, it's been blooming annoying the last um, few months not being well. And um, it's felt tough, you know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just too hard. But with the help of God, we've just got to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And this is what Haggai the prophet is doing to help empower the people to do. Okay, let's go on from verses 3 through to 5. For some of you, God might be speaking to you in the same way. This is what God says. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and God asked, is it a time for you yourself to be living in your panelled houses while this house, God says, while my house remains a ruin? Now, there's a phrase here that God uses again and again. He says, give thoughtful, give careful thought to your ways. Are we giving careful thought to our ways? Think about how you're living is it time for you to live in those, these panelled houses where my house is left in ruins? So now you might be thinking, what in the world's a panelled house? I'm like, what's a panelled house? That sounds fancy. I fancy a panelled house. So according to the commentaries that I've read, a panelled house is like high-end living. It's like granite worktops, fancy TV, like the best TV, You've got all, they've got all this kind of stuff and that's what they're focusing on. And hear me right, God is not against us having nice things. That is not my point. He just doesn't want nice things to have us. There's a bit of a difference. He wants our heart to be his. 
at this point, the people are putting their own comfort ahead of God's house and God's priority. And he's saying, give careful thought to your ways. So let's ask ourselves the question, is there, is there something that God is asking you to choose the hard right over the easy wrong? Give careful thought to your ways. God wants us to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. How many of us right now are taking the easy wrong when God's saying, hey, come on, choose, choose the hard right? The next few verses, oh, I think they just make me want to squirm a little bit, actually. It's like our behavior and our choices are just kind of exposed for what they are. See if they resonate with you too. I find it fascinating that things have changed so little from 500 years before Jesus. This is what God says, verse six. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. And remember, these people have just focused on, on themselves for 14 years. So it's kind of brutal, isn't it? I don't, I don't like that. It's just like that. I feel, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable reading that. If God sent a prophet to us right now, a guy's standing in the room and he goes, you planted much, but you harvested little. Or... You drink, but you never have your fill. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. If he was standing here and talking to us, you'd be just like, well, I'd be pretty, pretty feeling pretty rubbish. Or, or we might get defensive. We might go, it's good to look after ourselves. It's important to look after ourselves. But God's not saying any of that. He's just saying, you don't put all that before me. And then... Verses six to eight. This is so cool to me. God is so loving. He's so good. He knows they faced opposition. He knows they found it tough. And if you're finding some things tough right now, just, oh, just remember that he knows. This is what he says in verse seven. Give careful thought to your ways. It's that phrase again. And then basically he, he breaks down the tough stuff into three simple steps. Building the temple was going to be tough. He says, here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? Number one, go up to the mountains. Number two, bring down the timber. Number three, build my house. I love the way he just breaks it down. You know, like they see this like massive thing. It's too hard. And he just goes three steps. Go up to the mountains, get the timber, build the house. It's like all they can see is that life is not how it's meant to be. That they, that they thought they would have had a temple by now and life would look different by now. And he's just like, focus on me and do these three things. Go up to the mountains, bring down the timber, build my house. 
this is how much I love you. I'm going to make it simple. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, build my house. Go up to the mountain. No, hang on a minute. Go up to the mountain. That's kind of hard. That's like, have you seen the size of that mountain? But we're going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Okay. Bring down the timber. Oh, man, that's hard again. Okay, choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Okay, bring down the timber. Come down and build the temple, step by step, step by step. Here's steps one, two, and three. And I don't know about you, but I always want to know what four, five, and six is. So he's gone, go, go up the hill, get the timber, build my house. And I'm like, then what? Or is that just me? I always want to know what four, five, steps four, five, and six are. It's like I want to know details. I like that, then what? Okay, so if I do that, then, then what? Is that going to happen how I want it to work out? If I do all that, is that going to work out then? We feel like we need details. It might be um, you want to get in better shape, but you don't even know where to start. So you step by step, you eat healthily, you get eight hours of sleep, you start exercising. Okay, step by step, I can do it. Or you want to get out of debt. You're just like, where do I start? Spend less than you earn. Start paying down your, your debt step by step. Or your marriage isn't really very good and you're not quite sure what to do about it. Step by step. Humble yourself. <laughs> Apologize for what you're doing wrong. Ask for help. When God started this church planting journey with us, he gave us a blueprint for those of you who've heard our story. <coughs> and um, what's frustrating is he only gave us the first few steps. And I want to know what the whole blueprint is. I want to know what's in every box. I want to know what like it looks like. I want to know steps four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and the rest. And God's like, no, because it's under construction. I'm going to give you the first steps. Go up the mountain, bring down the timber, build my house. Don't worry about steps four, five, and six. Just do one, two, and three. My word is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. So if his word is a lamp unto our feet, he may show us steps one, two, and three. And we won't see four, five, and six until we do one, two, and three. You have to see what God's doing first before he shows you the rest. We might know the details, but God says, you can't handle the details. I'll give you what you need when you get there. But you need to take the first steps first. You see, this is what um, it means to walk by the Spirit it's how we choose the hard right over the easy wrong. <coughs> step by step. That's what we're commanded to do as followers of Jesus. Choose the hard right over the easy wrong, just step by step. So to finish, I don't think I don't think we have even remotely grasped what the blessings of God are like this side of obedience. Like all he just wants is obedience. I think our um I think what Haggai if Haggai was here now talking to us he'd be just like do the hard right over the easy wrong 
just step by step. Just do ultimately what God has called us to do. So why don't we stand and see what God wants to do?